Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the SQ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sales. A lot of changes since my last episode. Uh, my distributing website, Anchor, uh, got bought out by Spotify. I guess that was a while ago, but they've uh, completely changed my my system here. Uh, it's officially Anchor's now called uh, Podcast for Spotify, something like that. So everything looks completely different. I have no idea how to record my videos, but we're working on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, also trying some new stuff with the audio. I'm recording on my computer, uh, my, my desktop computer that is rather than my laptop. So I'm still working out some of the audio kinks. So if you guys can hear my computer or anything, let me know. There's also currently a, a hot wings eating competition going on, uh, the floor below me, but, uh, what's life if you don't take a few chances, right? So we're going to try it, see if it works. I uh, would appreciate any feedback you guys have for me, but other than that, we're going to get right into it. So, uh, as always, uh, time on a tradition. Uh, cover NFL free agency, which uh, officially season six, right? As I like to say, I always start the the new year is the the new year of uh, the NFL. So six years. I mean, this is this is crazy, right? Uh, still doing this somehow. Uh, people keep listening for some reason. Still don't quite understand why, but to everybody that's still stuck around after all this time, really appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, it's really cool. I, I know I don't get to do this, uh, or I don't do this as often as I should. But when I do it, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it, it helps knowing that other people listen to it. And they like what they have, uh, like what they hear. So stick around. Hopefully, I can keep giving you guys more content over the next couple of years. So uh, my opening here, I guess, is uh, I had written some notes for a couple of the quarterback deals and everything that had gone on before free agency. So we're just going to start with those, uh, and then uh, that'll be the warm up, and then we'll get into the the bigger part of free agency here. So uh, I want to start with the Lamar Jackson stuff, uh, just because I think it's a little unclear maybe to people who don't pay attention to a lot of the cap uh, maneuvers and all that as to what happened with Lamar and the Ravens negotiations and where they go from here. So uh, prior to the start of free agency at the, the deadline for the franchise tag, uh, the Ravens signed Lamar to, or they designated Lamar with a non-exclusive franchise tag, which is different than the usual franchise tag that gives teams uh fully guaranteed deal, complete access for one year. Uh, so what the non-exclusive franchise tag is, is uh, for the quarterbacks this year, it's around, it's a one-year deal of around $35 million, fully guaranteed. But uh, this is different in that other teams are allowed to send offers, uh, like long-term deals for Lamar to sign. And if Lamar agrees to terms with the team, then the Ravens would have the ability to match uh, whatever offer it is. And uh, if the Ravens don't match, then the other team has to give up uh, two first round picks. And if the Ravens do match, then they get to keep Lamar. And that's that's how things go. Uh, another interesting wrinkle is uh, if you make an offer to Lamar Jackson, like say you're the Falcons and you wanted to give him a deal with like a $40 million cap hit in the first year just to mess with the Ravens, that uh, even if he doesn't sign that offer yet, your offer was stuck under salary cap, so the Falcons wouldn't have been able to spend $40 million. So it's uh, it's an interesting tactic that we don't really see used too often. Um, and in case people were wondering, like, you know, what the ramifications were for this, uh, essentially, uh, Lamar Jackson has been asking for a fully guaranteed contract. He wants a, a bigger version of what Deshaun Watson got a couple of years ago. And the Ravens have been reluctant to do that. And I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do the whole Lamar discussion. I may wait until he actually signs a deal and you know, then we can do that. But basically, uh, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why a team like the Ravens wouldn't really want to sign Lamar to a fully guaranteed contract at this point in his career, given what he's shown, given his health. Excuse me, I'm going to take a drink. And Lamar has been a little stubborn. 
And Lamar also famously does not have an agent, which would be kind of an issue when you're trying to go through negotiations, right? Like complex negotiations like this. And so what this has done is this is not the Ravens saying, we don't want you on our team. This is the Ravens effectively letting Lamar go out to other teams and let them do the negotiating for, for them. Because, you know, it, the Ravens can't by themselves show him, look, nobody's going to give you this deal. The Watson deal was an anomaly. It will never happen again. And frankly, you probably don't even deserve it right now anyways. So if all these other teams don't show any offers for him, then Lamar's kind of stuck a little bit. And the Ravens can then say, look, we told you there's no fully guaranteed deal out here. Here's that deal we gave you before with like $150 million guaranteed, which is a lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of money. Um, and, and that's what they're doing. They, they're trying to just show Lamar what they've been trying to tell him this whole time. And it's kind of tough love, but in negotiations like this, I think you have to do it. Um, and, and as we've seen, no team has offered him yet. I guess um, the one team that can maybe still do it, you could see the Colts doing it potentially. But other than that, everyone's out, right? I mean, Washington, Atlanta, um, Carolina, Houston, all these other teams, they basically all stake themselves on other quarterbacks or other future draft prospects. And, and that's that. I mean, Lamar's really only logical landing spot is back with the Ravens. And um, maybe they'll agree to a deal. Maybe he'll just play out this year on that non-exclusive franchise tag. We'll see. But things clearly, they, they were reaching kind of a breaking point, And this was like a big point in that of the Ravens trying to show Lamar how much he might actually be worth on the open market. So that's that. Uh, th that one, I just find it's a, a little complicated. And it's hard for some people to like in larger media enterprises i think it, it, it's they don't really have the time nor the uh the willingness to maybe go into the little the the discussions like that about like what's happening and why it's happening so there's that so uh maybe it'll help you feel a little bit smarter if you talk to your friends who knows um so that's that uh then the next quarterback deal i wanted to talk about was daniel jones because daniel jones signed a massive extension now i, I guess massive maybe isn't the right word for it but essentially, Daniel Jones signed a four-year contract, and at the time, it was uh, had a base value of $160 million, which is crazy, right? I mean, that that's crazy. But in actuality, there are $82 million guaranteed out of that $160 million. So essentially, what they have done is they it, it, it's basically a two-year extension where they have this upcoming year, 2023, his cap hit is at like a, a much more reasonable, uh, like middle of the market, $21 million. Like that's that's a pretty good number for your starting quarterback. And then next year it goes, it goes up to like legitimate quarterback money in 2024. He's got a $45 million cap hit, which is a lot. That is a lot. Um, and then the next two years, they could really move off of him if they wanted to. So basically it's like a two-year tryout run. It's, it's basically a little bit more than if they had uh, given him like the franchise tag or something overall. Uh, which it looked bad on the surface. It really did. But if you look at it a little bit more, I think it makes a little more sense. Uh, and Daniel Jones, I, I thought he had a pretty solid year uh, this past year. I thought he showed a lot of potential. He really cut down on the turnovers, which had been his biggest deal for a long, long time. And especially you got to take into consideration that the, I mean, what he really wasn't working with a lot. I mean, they had a good run game, but as we've covered on this podcast before, his number one receiver was Isaiah Hodgins. And that's just, that's not going to cut it, right? Um, so by also extending him at this point, they, they lowered his cap hit a little bit for 2023 and that enabled them to 
that gave them the chance to strengthen this roster and to to show let him show like with with more talent around him and the, and more opportunity available to him he can take that leap to like legitimate franchise quarterback that you want to stick around for a long long time. However, they didn't really do a good job of that, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I will generally, I'm going to try and hold off on some of these other deals and like overall team uh, decisions because I want to save that for the the second part podcast I'm going to do probably next week about just overall free agency. Um, but so they, by signing him to this extension, they they took what would would have basically been the franchise tag and took like twenty million dollars off of that. And they, they had that money to play around and to go get him maybe some, some more help on offense, like some more firepower uh, in the, uh, the pass catching core. And what they did essentially was they traded a third round pick for Darren Waller. They signed Paris Campbell to a one-year prove-it deal. And they franchise tag Saquon Barkley. And it just doesn't really sit all that well with me because Darren Waller has been good. And Paris Campbell has shown some flashes but neither of them have shown to be healthy. And Darren Waller is also 31. And Saquon had a very good year last year. We all know that it was a great bounce back year for him, but health is an issue for him. Right. And we're also just thinking, you know, maybe a little bit long-term, like is Saquon going to be around that much longer? He's 26 and running back years. Like he's only got a few years left of, of like solid production, much less like great production. And I just, I just don't think they did enough. And there's still time, you know, they could still trade for a DeAndre Hopkins or a Jerry Judy or, or somebody, but like, why weren't they, why weren't they in on Brandon cooks or um, who was the other receiver? How am I forgetting this? This is supposed to be supposed to be my job. You would think I would remember these things um, more. Uh, you know what? DJ Moore. Sorry. There we go. I like, I think those were moves that probably would have better suited them. If you really, if you really want to make Daniel Jones show that he can be the guy you want him to be, you got to help him. You can't ask him to do everything by himself. And I don't think they've done a good enough job. So I like the Daniel Jones contract in theory, I, I guess I'm not opposed to when you look at like the actual specific details, but then you look at like what they, what they did with the advantage that contract gave them. I don't think I question whether it was worth it. That's, that's what I'll say. So I am skeptical of the giant strategy here, but uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe New York faithful can uh, show me a more optimistic view of things. So, all right, that is our little opening here and then take a quick break. And then we'll get into the, the meat of today's podcast, talking about the, the big quarterback signings at the deadline. So the first deal I want to talk about is Derek Carr. So Derek Carr signs with the saints in a, uh, a, puzzling move shall we say uh maybe maybe other people like this one a little bit more than i do but i i am uh i'm struggling with this one a little bit Derek carr agrees to a deal with the saints which is effectively uh uh four years uh max value 150 million it's only 60 million fully guaranteed at signing so uh, again it's another one where if you look at the it's kind of like the Daniel Jones deal where maybe the the actual money isn't quite as bad and free agency it never is right I always try to try to tell people you can never freak out too much about the uh the the max deal because it very rarely ends up being the case that that that's how that works but Anyways, uh, we're looking at a very reasonable seven million dollar cap hit, and this year not not that bad at all. That's that's nothing, right? Uh, but then you get into it gets it goes up to thirty five, then it goes up to forty five, and then it goes up to fifty five in twenty twenty six. 
Uh, now the reality is there, there's some void years after that, and uh, it, it's it, it will be relatively easy to get rid of him uh, at that point if they want to. But still, they are they have sacrificed some future money, and they push money back to get Derek Carr, and this is a win now move. And I think at the end of the day, I just don't view the same this roster the same way the Saints do, and their overall philosophy on how they handle their team continues to irk me. Uh, because the Saints see their roster. They see they still have guys like Michael Thomas and Cam Jordan and Marshawn Lattimore and and uh, Ryan Ramchak and Alvin Kamara. They've got all of the, – and Demario Davis. They've got a lot of these older vet guys who are towards the tail end of – closer to the end of their careers than uh, – I say that as if Ryan Ramchak and Marshawn Lattimore are like ancient beings, but Ramchak's 29. Uh Sorry, I, I don't know. Uh, shout out to Ryan Ramchak. Sorry, I don't mean to, to disrespect any 30-year-olds out there. But um, I just don't really see it. I mean, they went 7-10 and 10 last year, and Andy Dalton played fine. Like, Andy Dalton really played okay. And they just they still weren't very good. And Carr is coming off of a year where he really struggled uh, with Josh McDaniels. And some of that, I, I don't think it's necessarily his fault because – uh, Josh McDaniels' system is, is very complicated. I, I know this is a Patriots fan. It's, it's very difficult. And it takes more than a year to adjust. I mean, like we saw with Matt Ryan in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan, sometimes it takes time to uh, learn new systems. But he, he did struggle a lot this year. And he's now going to a team that's worse on offense. And Pete Carmichael really didn't have a great showing as an offensive coordinator this past year. And again, you're looking at the Saints, and they're still just – they're already in 2024, not even this next year, the year after – they're already $40 million over the cap. like, they're, And they're just going to do what they did again this year to get under the cap. They're going to restructure a bunch of guys, and they're going to push that money back into the future. And it's going to cost them again and again and again. Because, yeah, I mean, it kind of worked when Breeze and uh, Sean Payton were still there and you're competing for a championship. Yeah, of course, that's the right move. It's what you got to do. But at this point, you know, they've clearly lost it a little bit. They don't have a difference maker at quarterback. They don't have one of the best head coaches in the league. And you just – you you uh lose talent every year there's attrition just because you can't um they're, they're doing all these moves these restructures just to be cap compliant it's not to make any significant space and when your draft picks like marcus davenport aren't working out it's going to be really hard to to get better overall as a team much less like become a playoff caliber team and the only reason they're doing this is because their division is so terrible which i, I will get into at some point i mean my god the nfc south this year is going to be a dumpster fire but they they want to win because they they think they can win the division, which I guess is technically correct. They do have a shot to win the division because the division's so bad. But I just don't think that considering you're you're never going to get more than a wild card game out of this team in the division, like as a division winner. I just don't. I think they would be better suited to take a year or two, tear everything down, to clean their books, go back on a normal team cycle as opposed to scrambling every single year to try and be, get to the bare minimum of where you want to be. And I just, that that's where I'm at. And clearly the Saints aren't there. Mickey Loomis does not want to do that. And that's how these things are. I just think a move like Derek Carr, it, it hurts them long-term more than it helps them. I, Derek Carr is not enough of a difference maker to be worth what they did. And that's what I think. So, <sighs> all right, I can breathe. It's done. This has been a long time coming. I've had issues with them ever since Breeze retired. It's time, I, needed to, I needed to say it. Felt good. Very therapeutic, so. Thank you for uh, for being my sounding wall for that. So the next quarterback I wanted to talk about is Jimmy Garoppolo. So Jimmy signs with the Las Vegas Raiders. 
on a three-year deal, roughly $25 million per year. And basically, it's, it's really only a two-year contract. That third year is available to them, but they can get out of that at virtually, at virtually no cost, and they can even get out of it next year if they wanted to. And I think this is a really good deal for, for both parties involved. I mean, for the Raiders, this is rare. I mean, this is a, a kind of slightly older middle-class contract for a quarterback, which really doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we're in the day and age where it's, you're almost exclusively – you're getting these high-end, top-of-the-market deals, or you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. And, and that's been kind of the reality of the league, I'd say, for the last like six or seven years. Uh, and, and this is a little bit different than that. Um, Jimmy's certainly a little bit older, and the injury history hurts. But, I mean, he's a solid quarterback who, this past season, before he got hurt, he was playing arguably the best football he's been playing in his career. And uh, he knows the system. He had a, a lot of success uh, in those couple of games he played for the Patriots under Josh McDaniels. And obviously he just, he knows that playbook. He knows what, uh, what works in that system. What doesn't, I think he's a, he's a more natural fit for it than Derek Carr is. I know there's probably some people that would, uh, they would say that Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. And even if you believe that, I, I, I don't think it's fair to say, or I, I do think it's fair to say that even if you believe that, that, Jimmy's probably going to be a little more comfortable playing for McDaniels than Carr was just because of the experience and the comfortability there. I just use comfortable twice. It's sloppy. Sorry. I'll be better. Uh, the other thing that I think this does for them is it gives them a lot of flexibility because uh, even if Jimmy's not the quarterback that you want, say, it's not like he's crippling their cap long-term or short-term, frankly. They can kind of get out of this whenever they want to other than this year. And it also, it's not really stopping them from drafting a guy because they are, they have the seventh pick in the draft. And if there's a quarterback that they like and they want to jump on him, they can do that. And he can sit for a year if they want to. And if they want to cut Jimmy loose after that and cut Jimmy loose, or if they didn't, they, they don't take a quarterback yet. And they want to take one later. They can keep Jimmy around. This works really well for both sides. Um, I, I really like this deal a lot. I, I feel like we don't see a, a ton of mid range signings like this anymore, but I think we should see more of them. This is cool. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I do think that the, the offense will be better just by nature of having Garoppolo and everyone has a year in that system again. Um, I think that swapping out Jacoby Myers for Darren Waller is an upgrade overall, even if Jacoby Myers is some game changer. But um, I, I mean, the, the Raiders needed a quarterback and they have one and that's valuable. So good for them. And last but not least on the, the major quarterback deals, is uh, yeah because you know i i uh i could talk about heineke i could talk about jacoby Brissett if i wanted to but ultimately um I, neither of those guys are really expected to start and i don't think it like the the commanders have been pretty you know they've been pretty set on howell not that they're going to hand howell the job but i think everybody wants sam howell to be the guy at least for this year and just see what he can do uh and inexplicably atlanta is doing the same thing with desmond ritter um I certainly is. I'm not a huge Desmond Ritter fan. I don't really think he showed anything in the last season to be super excited about. But again, Taylor Heineke is not really moving the needle either. So the, that's not something I'm really worried all that thinking all that much about. But some guy, one guy who signed a deal who I'm fairly confident is going to start and I think actually changes the outcome of the team a little bit is, is Baker going to the Bucks. So Baker Mayfield signed a one year, $4 million deal with uh, the Buccaneers. And that's, I mean, that's great value for Tampa Bay because you don't have a quarterback this year. And they, like the Panthers, like the Falcons, like the Saints, they know the division is complete and utter crap. And they want they want to make the playoffs. They want to win that division. And 
signing a guy like Baker to a one-year, $4 million deal, hoping he can be the quarterback, I think is a way better kind of risk to take with winning in mind than signing Carr to giving him $60 million guaranteed. Uh, especially, I mean, Baker's got more upside. Baker's younger. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Baker had a lot of nice flashes, I'd say, for for the Rams. Um, not, not every single game he had was perfect, but, uh, you know, we got to take into consideration again that this team was terrible. Like this Rams team was terrible. They had nobody on the offensive line. The number one receiver by the end of the year outside of Van Jefferson, who was hurt, was Ben Skoranek, who, you know, shout out Ben Skoranek, Notre Dame guy, but not what you want leading your, your NFL receiving core. Exactly. Um, he showed a lot, he showed a lot of flashes of, again, just being a, being a rhythm passer, just flinging it all over the place. Like he, he is a confident guy. And if you put him in a position to succeed, I think he can still make some nice plays. Carolina was kind of a mess. He didn't play well, but I'm not willing to put all that blame on him given how everything went as rule was kind of on his way out. And if you're Tampa Bay, uh, you know, last year was really, really bad. I, I would never try and sugarcoat how bad that was, but they dealt with a lot of injuries along the offensive line. Uh, Byron Leftwich, obviously it's, it's pretty well known what everybody thinks of Byron Leftwich and how that all went down, but this team still has pieces that they can try and compete with. And it's not like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are, are going to be terrible overnight. Like there's, there's stuff to work with there. If you're Baker, um, I say all this, Kyle Trask could totally beat him out for this quarterback job. But then again, I, you know, not a huge Kyle Trask guy over here. The, the S3 podcast is not Kyle Trask's biggest fan. So I think there's a lot to like about this deal. Like it, it, it could work out really well for them. And even if it doesn't one year, $4 million deal done and they're not that good anyways. So again, nice risk to take. I, I, I think it's a, a glaring, glaringly good alternative compared to the Derek Carr contract. And it's just something I really wanted to highlight. So that is all I have on the quarterbacks. And then we're going to take one last quick break here. And then we will talk about uh, the wide receiver and the tight end markets. Cause I think those are a little interesting and indicative of where teams are going uh, both in the draft and just their general approaches here. All right. I don't want to touch too delicately on this one. Uh, not too delicately, too critically on, uh, on this topic uh, right now, just because I think there's still a lot of dust that needs to settle in terms of the trade market. And I want to do the, the overall team uh, performance. And certainly I think the overall uh, uh, market of a lot of receivers and tight ends is going to be a big part of that. But I did want to make just some notice of it uh, just to show people. So, you know, wide receivers and tight ends have been getting a lot of money over the last couple of years. In, in particular, the last two years have been crazy. And there's been a really large influx, too, of receiver prospects coming into the draft. Uh, I, I mean, my God, if you if you look at the last three drafts of wide receivers, it, it, it's insane how, how much high-end talent has been drafted uh, early on. So with all that said, you look at the market this year. And who are the, the biggest contracts signed this year? But Juju Smith-Schuster and Jacoby Myers. And both of them got three-year deals with maximum $33 million. And both of them only got $16 million guaranteed. And Juju's not even $10 million a year. And Jacoby Myers got the, the highest contract given out in terms of guarantees and per year was Jacoby Myers with $11 million a year, $16 million guaranteed over a three-year deal. Alan Lazard got a two-year contract worth a little bit more than that, but that's not really the same thing. I'm also going to save Lazard and all the Jets, all the Rodgers stuff. I should have mentioned this earlier. I'm going to save all the Rodgers stuff until he actually signs because I do want to talk about the merits of that trade and like what they're going to get. 
and what it says about the Packers and everything. So I, I'm, I'm just going to save that for when it actually happens because, uh, you know, we all know Aaron Rodgers in the media cycle at this point. They will drag this out as long as they want, which fine, whatever. He has his right to do that, but that's what we're going to roll with. So why is the receiver market so bare this year? Uh, it, it's just a weird confluence of it's, it's just a lot of older guys or a lot of injury-prone guys or a lot of guys who just, they're not super explosive. Right. I mean, you look at Alan Lazard is like a solid receiver. Uh, Juju and Jacoby are both solid, but Alan Lazard and Juju have both been a little banged up. Jacoby doesn't offer a ton of explosiveness after the catch, and he's not exactly a red zone machine. Adam Thielen is getting up in age. DJ Chark's a little injured. Robert Woods, both old and injury prone. Kenny Galladay, one of the worst free agent signings of all time, of all time. And then you're left with Marvin Jones and Nikhil Harry. And that's like, that's the top of the market after that. You have Darius Slayton and Paris Campbell going to the Giants. Darius Slayton resigning, of course. Um, and, and the tight end market. You look, Darren Waller got traded. Um, Mike Gesicki and uh, Dalton Schultz, as of today, literally, about I would say about 20 minutes before I started the podcast, which is a good catch by me. Uh, no big deal. They both signed for one-year deals that are maximum value less than $10 million. Uh, Gesicki's was four and a half, and in all likelihood, uh, Dalton Schultz isn't going to be much higher than that. So what happened? I, I think the tight ends, it, it's pretty clear that uh, teams are, I think, a little hesitant to give out big money, especially after the last couple of years. These uh, tight end deals haven't been big. Uh, I mean, we both, uh, John o. Smith has been, was a disaster for the Patriots before they traded for him. Uh, Darren Waller has been hurt. Not, not really at all worth the money that he was given. Um, and Hayden Hurst has been solid, but I mean... He's been fine. He was a nice safety valve for Joe Burrow to go to after all their other great options were closed. And he's 30 years old. Like there's, there's just not a ton of upside there. Uh, Austin Hooper, again, just not, not a lot of upside. And, and then you go to the draft and you look at this year and there's, and this is something we'll, I, I will certainly talk about more as we get closer to the draft, but you have my guy, Michael Mayer, you have Darnell Washington, you have Dalton Kincaid, you have uh, Tucker Kraft. I, I'm sure there's somebody else I'm forgetting. There are so many tight end prospects that are super athletic and have a lot of upside in this draft. It's just really hard to, if you're any of these teams shell out significant capital or money for a tight end that uh, frankly, you just, you just don't think moves the needle all that much or could get hurt. Uh, it's tough to justify that. Uh, and then for the receivers, it's just, there just wasn't a lot of talent out there this year. Uh, so it, it's been a very weird free agency in that regard. There's just not a lot of exciting skill talent that has been available uh, to sign to deals. So that's why, I mean, the two biggest deal, the the two, I would say, biggest needle movers have been uh, trading for Brandon Cooks and trading for DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore, I'm also going to hold off on because I want to do that uh, whole Panthers-Bears thing with my overall uh, free agency and some of the draft talk. But, I mean, DJ Moore is certainly, I would say, better than any of the names I've been listed already. And uh, arguably, you could say the same with Brandon Cooks, too, which is a, it was a great trade by the Cowboys, by the way, for a fifth and a sixth to get a second receiver like that, a really compliment CD. Great downfield speed. I, th I think that'll be good for them. And it's not like he'll be around for too much longer. I, let me see. I, I think he has maybe one or two years on the contract, which they are expensive. They definitely are. But actually, I mean, so, oh, you know what? I forgot. He actually restructured his deal. So the Texans actually kept a lot of the money. That's a great deal for Dallas. I mean, this is basically the end of Brandon Cooks' career. And it's a really good move for them. I think he'll, he'll help add a, another dimension to that offense that they desperately need. Uh, and DJ Moore, DJ Moore is a really good player. I, I really like DJ Moore. I think he's been saddled with a really unfortunate collection of quarterbacks over the years, but uh, we, we can talk about Justin Fields and I will talk about Justin Fields at a later date, but 
if you want him to prove that he can be the guy that he's more than just a running quarterback, you need to surround him with guys like DJ Moore, and that he'll be a big lift to that Bears offense that had essentially no receivers available to them all season. So, uh, so I think the the receiver market is still going to be it's going to be quiet, right? Because uh, there was also really the people don't like the receivers in the draft this year either, and, and that'll I think we'll definitely see that uh, later on. So the I, I would say you're going to see probably more trades for wide receivers over the next couple weeks and months, just because the if you want outside talent to help you shore up your receiving core, you're just not really going to find a lot of value. So keep your eye out for that. Um, and I think that's all I have for you guys today. Um, I wanted to keep it simple, you know, nice little warm up back. You know, when I take these long breaks, I need to kind of get used to the rhythm and talking into the microphone and making sure everything's all good. So yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, I will be back with a, a second part of free agency. I'll do all the bigger deals, you know, because there's certainly a lot of uh, offensive linemen, defensive players that I did not cover. Uh, and I'll do my maybe my overall winners and losers, but want to focus on some of the big stuff to give you guys something to look forward to. Uh, we'll also uh, we'll get into draft prep over the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the draft, because I have a lot of takes on that. And I think that can be fun, too. So uh, just. Uh, stay frosty, I guess. I will uh, hopefully start updating, uh, get one out next week too. So that's that. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I will see you soon.